Dr. Sisk is here and uh, with us, and Dr. Sisk has been faithfully serving the Lord uh, for, uh, I think Daniel said 60 years. Is that accurate, Dr. Sisk? Uh, I've been preaching for 67 years. 67 years, yeah. faithfully preaching, serving the Lord. And I'm so honored and thankful that Dr. Sisk is going to be spending the day with us, and he's going to be preaching tonight, and so I'm looking forward to that. I want to make sure that you're here for that, to hear him preach, and uh, it's going to be a great time together. And uh, yesterday, we got to spend some time together. Wonderful time. We even went to Top Golf. <laughs> Dr. Sisk uh, had a couple right down the middle, some great swings. So it was a great time together, and uh, I so appreciate Dr. Sisk and the joy of the Lord that he has, and uh, just his heart to reach people with the gospel. And I was encouraged this morning, we were praying together, and he shared that he uh, led someone to Christ even in the hotel this morning uh, at breakfast. And so we're praising the Lord for that. And Craig, we definitely have a little bit of feedback on these. If we can uh, turn that, the gain down a little bit, that would, be, that would be great. But Dr. Sis, tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing and how you came to know the Lord. Okay, uh, I was born in 1933, so you don't have to be a genius. I'm 89 years old, okay? <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, and none of you know anything about that, but 1933 was in the midst of the Great Depression. And uh, my dad was a coal miner. We had absolutely nothing that you think is necessary for today. Uh, no electricity. We had to watch television in the dark, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, no automobile, no telephone, no, nothing of that nature, okay? And um, my dad was a hard worker, but he drank a lot. And nearly every weekend he got drunk and so forth. And it was a, a hard time. And uh, one, one day in, in geometry class, uh, Monday morning, Bill Welch said to me, he said, Don, said Sunday night uh, or Saturday night, we're having a Youth for Christ meeting, and I'd like for you to go with me to it. <clears throat> That's all he said. He didn't give me a gospel track, didn't witness to me or anything. Just, uh, I'd like for you to go with me as my guest. And I, I thought, well, I don't have anywhere else to go. I don't have any money to do anything. <laughs> so sure, I'll, I'll go with you, Bill. And then I got to thinking that week, youth for Christ. Uh, youth, uh, okay, I, I'm, I'm not that. I'm 16 years old. And I know what you're thinking. I don't think you've ever been 16 years old. But I got some pictures, okay, <laughs> to prove it. But uh, uh, then I thought, for Christ. So I, I said, probably all of them are Christians, and I'm not a Christian, you know. Now, I'd been to church a few times. I'd been to revival meetings and uh, Bible, vacation Bible school and things of that nature and so forth. And uh, I tried to find an excuse not to go, but I couldn't find a good excuse. And it had to be the Holy Spirit of God because Saturday morning I woke up and I thought, I'm not going to look for an excuse. Uh, I don't have any hope. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. And, and I need to be saved. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what they did. But I thought, I'm going to church tonight to get saved. Whatever they do when they go forward, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I went to church to get saved, okay? And uh, uh, sure enough, finally the preacher stopped preaching, and I went forward, okay? And a Baptist preacher followed me down the aisle and just showed me the simple plan of salvation. And I bowed my head and trusted Christ as my Savior. And uh, that was the beginning of a new life. Uh, I went to church on my way to hell 
I went home on my way to heaven. Yeah. I went home. I went to church. I had no spiritual life, but I went home and I had spiritual life as well as physical life. Yeah. And I knew that the next morning because the first thought I had was, I better go to church. <laughs> okay. That's very odd for me on Sunday morning, okay? Anyway, my whole life changed. Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. And then you got saved and started going to church. And then when did you feel God calling you to missions and want to uh, see people saved with the gospel? Yeah. Well, uh, long story short, when Virginia and I got saved, we moved to Gary, Indiana and started working there. That's a nice place, the murder capital of the world. <laughs> but and anyway, we lived in a little house trailer, and, and, you know, we had nothing practically, but we were just as happy as we could be. We had each other, and we had the Lord, you know, and uh, got, got into a real good church there in Gary, and little by little, God began to speak to my heart about being a preacher. Every once in a while in our church, somebody would go forward and say, God has called me to be a preacher, and every time they did that, I breathed a sigh of relief, and I thought, that's great. God's got all the preachers he needs now. <laughs> But that did not keep me from realizing that God wanted me in the ministry. God wanted me to be a, a preacher. That was in 1954. And uh, three weeks after that, my wife made a very, very important commitment. I'll never forget it. She went forward and she made this commitment. She said, since God has called on to be a preacher, I want you all to pray for me that I can be the best wife that I can possibly be so that he can be all he could be. And uh, I thought when we had her memorial service, and by the way, when she passed away, we had been married 65 years. And I thought if anybody ever kept a commitment, it was that one. But anyway, uh, then we went back to Bible college in Kentucky and then pastored for 10 years in Kentucky. And uh, I realized that God wanted me on the mission field. I was pastoring in a town of 3,500 people. There were two other Baptist churches in the town, the Pentecostal churches, Methodist church, every kind of church you could think about, 3,500 people. And one little, one little thing after another, but I got a letter from Japan, and the letter was from Donald Mobley, and he had read an article that I had written that was published in the Western Recorder, which was the state paper of the Baptist of Kentucky. And... Uh, he said, Brother Sisk, I don't know how old you are. I don't, I don't know anything about you. I don't know your educational attainment. I, you know, basically, he said, I know nothing about you. But he said, I could not help but think when I read your article that whoever wrote this article has a heart for missions. And then he said, we're in Akita, Japan. There are 3.5 million people in Akita. Providence, 3.5 thousand. A little different, amen. And he said, we are the only missionaries in this whole skin. You know. And then at the end of that letter, he had a question. What would keep you from coming to Japan? <laughs> and I never found a good one, okay? <laughs> so I went. I mean, there's some other things involved and so forth. But... Uh, I, I knew definitely that God wanted us to go to Japan as missionaries. And how long were you in Japan, and, uh, and, and what did God do there? Yeah, yeah, I was there as a resident missionary for about 10 years, and then the next 10 years, I was the Far Eastern director of our mission. Uh, so I spent most of my time in Japan and other parts of the Orient. And uh, 
uh, we had been there. As soon as we got there, the first thing we did was go to language school. You can imagine the joy of that, you know. You're 33 years old, you've pastored for 10 years, you've taught in Bible college, you've done all kinds of revival meetings and so forth. And then you sit in the class and the teacher says some great things like this, she's teaching you. What do I pizza this? This is a pencil. What do I squid it? This is a desk, <laughs> you know. And then she would say, now you say it. And I would do the best I could, and she'd shake her head. <laughs> anyway, before I went to Japan, somebody gave me a Japanese Bible, and I looked at it. And uh, it was nothing in that Bible that looked like a word. It looked like chickens had been out in a muddy field and got their feet on muddy. Then they put it on paper, and then they put all those papers together. It would have made just as much sense. And I looked at that, and the first thought I had was, Lord, I'm from Kentucky. We have a very difficult time with English, okay? <laughs> and you expect me to learn a language like that. And uh, so, so the, my greatest fear about going to Japan was not that I would starve to death or that some Japanese would be, still be mad about the war and they'd kill me, and, you know, n nothing like that. But, but my greatest fear was to learn the Japanese language. And when I got there and I'd been studying about six months, all of a sudden I realized all of my fears were justified. Okay, it was just as difficult. But long story short, God gave me the grace to learn the language enough to preach and teach and so forth. And uh, after we'd been there one year, uh, we started the Cindy Newtown Baptist Church. And from beginning, it was a miraculous church. Uh, the very first service, 11 people got saved. Uh, for the last 53 years, a young man, uh, young, not young now, but he was young then, but a man by the name of Sogoro Ogawa got saved the very first night of our service, and he has pastored that church for the last 53 years. And on our first anniversary, we had 139 people there, and five people had already committed their lives to be preachers. And uh, just recently, they, they celebrated uh, their 55th anniversary, and uh, they had over 750 people there. They had a $100,000 offering that day. And the pastor said 40% of it went to missions. It's a you know, miracle after miracle after miracle. And then I became the Far Eastern director and then eventually the president and director of the IMI. And then after I retired <laughs> in 2002, uh, Brother Matt's uh, father and Mark Rasmussen uh, encouraged me that I ought to come to West Coast Baptist College and teach missions for one semester. <laughs> and I agreed to do that, and I did, from, nine, from 2002 until 2016. <laughs> so 14 years in a row, we taught missions one semester. <laughs> but it was a great time. I mean, I'm, I, I could not have asked for a better, a better life. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times when people are, are my age, my, my age at that time, 70 years old, I mean, it's over, okay, you retire. You sit in a rocking chair and rock. And by the way, I'm not against rocking chairs. I, I really like them. Now, I'm having a hard time getting them started now, okay? But I really like them. But I, I felt, okay, God, I'm, I don't know what you have me do, but I know you have something for me. And I'm not sure, Brother Matt, that since 2002, which would have been, what, 20 years ago, okay? That that might have been the most fruitful 20 years of my 
ministry is any 20-year period in my ministry. So God is good. So uh, don't think about retiring from God. Now retire from your job, okay? And then spend your time serving God and so forth. Yeah, that's amazing. That's such an encouragement. And uh, Dr. Sisk has traveled all over the world preaching the gospel. Dr. Sisk, where has been some of your favorite places to preach the gospel? Well, motel rooms. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Church, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, everyone's once somebody said, now you've lived in a lot of places. And uh, as president of EIMI, I got to visit 80 different countries. I had a goal of visiting every country where we had missionaries, which was 105 different countries. I didn't make my goal, but I got close, okay? And I've lived in a lot of places, and people often ask me, where did you like to live best? And I always tell them, I just like to live, okay? <laughs> so, uh, and, and by the way, after my wife went to heaven, and before she went to heaven, she had a brain tumor and two operations, and finally they could not operate anymore could not do any more uh, radiation or, or chemo or anything. And uh, <clears throat> I canceled all my meetings and stayed with her for the last year. And then when she went, to, when uh, my prayer before that was, dear Lord, let me live long enough to take care of Virginia until she goes to heaven. And God was good, and he did that. And then after she went to heaven, my prayer began, dear Lord, let me live till I die. <laughs> oh, you say you're going to live till. But what I meant was, now I, I know, and I don't have any right to tell God how I die, okay? But I am his child, so I have a right to ask. And what I meant by that was I'd like to be active and useful to God as long as I live. And I think he's over-answered that prayer, okay? <laughs> uh, the last open Sunday I've had, was the third Sunday in January, and I don't have another open Sunday until the third Sunday in December. And that's a whole lot of traveling for an old man. <laughs> for instance, last week, Sunday morning, I preached a Sunday morning service, two Sunday morning services, a night service, then a part of their big convention, and I, I preached two times and had four different sessions. So uh, I'm staying pretty busy, amen. Then I left there. And I was in Brother Carlos Navarrete's church in Rhode Island. Uh, God's been so good. And uh, uh, the, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was when God called me to be a missionary. Amen. That's such a blessing. How would you encourage our young church family to be involved with missions and how we can give towards missions and why that's so important for spiritual growth and development? Uh, you know, at the, at the end of, uh, of, after the resurrection of the Lord, and you, you look in your Bibles, okay, after the resurrection, he appeared to his disciples several times. And uh, each time he appeared to them after his resurrection, he encouraged them to be preaching the gospel to the whole world. For instance, uh, in Matthew 28, Verse 19 and 20, he said, Go ye therefore and teach, which means to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. In other words, what you've been doing, teach the new converts to do that too. And then he said, And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So you have the great commission, you have the great command. And you know, he said, Go and preach. In Mark, it's very simple. Go ye into all the world and 
preach the gospel to every creature. Now, every once in a while, I meet people who say, well, my biggest problem is I don't understand the Bible. Okay, try to misunderstand this. Go, <laughs> ye, you, into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You couldn't misunderstand that if you wanted to, amen. I think it was Mark Twain said, it's not what I don't understand that bothers me. It's what I understand and I'm not doing. So our job, thank God for what you're doing right here in this community. Thank God for what you're doing here in America. But uh, in America, there's 5% of the people of the world living here. And we're not even getting close to evangelizing all of them. But in the world, there are 8 billion people. And Jesus commanded his church, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then in Luke, he said that ye are witnesses of this and to preach the gospel to every creature. And just before he ascended to heaven, last words, think about that. Last words are very important, okay? But he said, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That was the promise of Pentecost. Now, the day you got saved, you were baptized by the Holy Ghost of God. So don't tell anybody you need to seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you got it when you got saved, okay? And uh, so you have the Holy Spirit. And then, so Jesus said, and after that, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And ye, you shall be witnesses unto me. Now, all a witness is supposed to do is to tell people what they know. Not what they think and so forth, just what they know. And you shall be witness to me. Both in Jerusalem, that's where you live. Judea, that's the surrounding area. Samaria, that's people that are near you but unlike you. And I, I like mixed multitudes. I really do, okay? For years, I pastored in Kentucky, and they were all white, all English-speaking people, and that's all they knew. <laughs> And I love churches like this, Brother Mad. I mean, you know, uh, your dad's church in Lancaster. I look in the choir, and it looks like the United Nations, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but ye shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and unto the, what's his last words? Uttermost parts of the earth. Yeah. Huh? And then, whoop, he went up to heaven, okay? So that's his last word, okay? Uh, world evangelization is not an option. It's not something we should pray about or think about. It's something we should do. Because Jesus has very plainly said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let me, let me tell you about a soul and thing. I was taking a new member out, to, and, and he just gotten saved. So but my job at, at Calvary Baptist Church in Harvey, I know this, was outreach and evangelism and so forth. We knocked on the door, and this woman came to the door, and I said, we're from the Calvary Baptist Church, and uh, I'd like to ask you a question. Do you know for sure you're saved and going to heaven? And she said, that's none of your business. Well, <laughs> she closed the door. And I stood there, and, and I, said, I said, Stuart, she wasn't very nice, was she? He said, no, she wasn't nice at all. So I knocked on the door again. And I said, ma'am, I'm a preacher and you're a creature. And the Bible said this, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I said, you ought to listen one time. Now, she didn't get saved, but at least she listened. Okay? <laughs> but that's our job. 
I mean, you know. Uh, and the wonderful thing is, all over the world today, missionaries are going, and they're preaching the gospel, and people are getting saved, and they disciple them, and then they train leaders, and they establish New Testament churches. It, it's working, and it's the greatest thing in the world to be a part of. Amen. That's, uh, it. that's so encouraging. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing the conversation even tonight and talking about how we can get involved and do our part to reach the nations with the gospel. Uh, but I've been so encouraged in our time already this morning. Uh, Dr. Sis, how can we uh, be praying for you? I know we're going to hear, hear again tonight, but how can we be praying for you uh, as you continue to travel and preach to more churches? Okay. And, and, and by the way, uh, Every, everybody ought to be involved in missions. Uh, everybody ought to pray. Everybody ought to give. And if God leads you, and by the way, everybody ought to go somewhere. You might go next door. You might go to somebody in your own household. You might go next door across town. But everybody ought to go somewhere. So, uh, and it's very simple. We need, we need to pr pray. Uh, we need to go. And we need to give. And uh, everybody ought to give. In fact, talking about missions, giving to missions. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and Paul is talking about giving to missions, and he makes this statement, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Yeah. Now, a lot of times when women hear that verse, they say, amen, let the men give. <laughs> but it's not talking about gender, okay? Every man, every human, okay? Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl ought to give something every week to world evangelization above and beyond their regular tithes and offering to their church. It's pretty simple. We'll talk more about that tonight. Yeah, I'm looking forward if to I it. If I live that long, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing to pray for, okay? I forgot. Yep. I, I got off the subject. And I do that a lot, okay? <laughs> um, and I ask people all over the world to pray for me like this. Pray, number one, that I would have the physical strength for the busy schedule that God has given me. I didn't try to do this, okay? But that God has given me. But more than physical strength, pray that I would have the spiritual power. Uh, I, I don't want to just be somewhere to be somewhere. I want God to use me to win people to the Lord, to encourage Christians, and to promote world evangelization. Amen. Pretty simple. And, uh, we definitely want to be praying for you in that, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to, to, to hearing some great reports. Let's have a word of prayer for Dr. Sisk right now, and, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, hearing from him again tonight. But let's have a word of prayer together. Lord, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for just the heart of Dr. Sisk to reach people with the gospel. Lord, thank you for his passion and urgency uh, for you. God, I pray that that would be something that would um, edify us and encourage us to increase uh, our sense of urgency for the gospel. And uh, Lord, I pray that as Dr. Sisk travels, that you would uh, grant him the physical strength, but also, like he said, the spiritual power. And uh, Lord, we're, thank we're thanking you uh, even today for the one that came to know you and accept you. And uh, this morning at the hotel, God, we want to praise you and thank you for that. And God, we're asking for more. Uh, Lord, we're asking that more people would be reached with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. And 
so Lord, uh, we're praying that you would be uh, with us the remainder of this service and uh, tonight as we continue our missions theme, Lord. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, yeah, Brother Matt, let, let me mention one other thing. In, in all our business, let's don't forget that our first primary responsibility is number one to our mate, number two to our children. And by the way, both of our children got saved early at ages. Both of them went to Bible college. Both of them went back to Japan as missionaries. And even after all these years, they're still serving God. Uh, not in Japan now, but they have a ministry. One of them has a ministry to the Japanese in the Dayton, Cincinnati, Ohio. And my son, Tim, teaches missions at uh, Moody Bible Institute and is involved in mission conferences and so forth all over the world. So uh, family is so important. And uh, I've, I've appreciated so much the Chapel family because his dad puts a wonderful, great emphasis on the family. And uh, I've always admired your dad for many, many things, but particularly for that. Thank you all. God bless you. I could talk Amen. all night, okay? <laughs> Let's thank Dr. Sis for being here this morning.